you turn in the back of your songbooks to page 890, we have an explanation there of the third commandment as we're studying, making our way through the law of liberty the Lord has given to us. The third commandment, which is you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Page 890, Lord's Day 36, question and answers 99 and 100. What is God's will for us in the third commandment? That we neither blaspheme nor misuse the name of God by cursing, perjury, that's swearing an oath to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, and then telling a lie under that oath in God's name. Perjury or unnecessary oaths, nor share in such horrible sins by being silent bystanders. In summary, we must use the holy name of God only with reverence and awe, so that we may properly confess him, call upon him, and praise him in everything we do and say. Is Blasphemy of God's name by swearing and cursing, really such serious sin that God is angry also with those who do not do all they can to help prevent and forbid it. Yes, indeed. No sin is greater or provokes God's wrath more than blaspheming his name. That's why he commanded it to be punished with death. Now let's turn in our Bibles to Micah 4. We'll read 1 through 5. You find that on page 925. <coughs> page 925, Micah 4, 1 through 5. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and it shall be lifted up above the hills and peoples shall flow to it. And many nations shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between many peoples and shall decide disputes for strong nations far away. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. But they shall sit, every man under his vine and under his fig tree, and no one shall make them afraid. For the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken." For all the peoples walk each in the name of its God, but we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. And this is God's word. May he bless us by it. Congregation of Jesus Christ names are a big deal. Just watch couples as they think, 
take time to decide a name for their child. Names are a big deal. And then as that child grows up, that name, you might say, gets filled out with all that that child is and all that he or she does. And so the importance of that name grows on you more and more. Our names embody who we are. And that's why we're careful with people's names. And why it's bad to drag someone's name through the mud because our names embody who we are. But what about God's name? If our names embody all that we are as creatures, that is fallen sinful creatures, how much must God's name embody? And how much must his name be worth when you consider all that he is and all that he's done? If it's terrible to drag people's names through the mud, and it is, how much worse to drag God's name through the mud? In the third commandment, the Lord God calls us not to take his name in vain. And that's really a calling to take his name with reverence and awe and never belittle it. Never drag it through the mud. Never make it appear less than it really is. It's a call, as we'll sing, to spread through all the earth abroad the honors of thy name. That's what this commandment is a call to do. Uphold the honor of God's name and spread that honor to the ends of the earth as the prophet Micah says Israel will do in the new covenant age. So we're to spread the honors of his name first by knowing his name, secondly by confessing his name, thirdly by living his name. Knowing, confessing, and living his name. Now of all the the names in the world worth knowing, congregation, there's one name that towers above them all. Infinitely above them all. One name that towers above them all infinitely in its worth, power, dignity, love, and honor. And that's the name of the Lord God. No name is so valuable, so precious, so powerful, so good, and brings our lives so much good and glory in the name of God. Micah's name means, who is the Lord? And that was Micah's calling as a prophet in Judah in bad times when Ahaz was king, Ahaz the idolater. And Micah's calling was to say, who is the Lord? And elevate the name of the Lord in Judah. And call people to repent of degrading his name, taking his name in vain, and lifting his name up, calling them to lift up his name again. The church in those days severely dishonored the name of the Lord. They spent their week committing every sin possible, cheating their hired hand out of wages, taking bribes in court. People would betray their own family members and sell them to make a little bit of money. 
The rich would steal fields from the poor. Parents would offer their children to Molech and burn them in the flame. Ahaz imported an idol from another nation and put it right where the altar of burnt offering was supposed to be and said to God, shove aside and put the altar to the north. And yet, they said, we have the temple of the Lord. We can do whatever we want and we're going to be safe because the Lord is here. We have his name. And they used his name as a, as a rabbit's foot, as a piece of magic, as a good luck charm. To keep them safe even though they were taking his name in vain. Treating his name like dirt. And then comes Micah. To lift up the name of the Lord. And a third of his prophecy is to condemn the people. For abusing the name of God. Treating his name lightly. Profaning the name of the Lord. Their God. And another third of the book is about the punishment that's coming. But then the last third is about the grace of God to forgive them for that sin. I'll trample your iniquities under my feet and to restore them to be a people that spread the honors of his name to all the ends of the earth so that all nations will come streaming to the temple. Micah 4, verses 1 through 5, promises a new day, a new age, when all nations will reject their false gods, the false names they worship. And they'll seek the name of the Lord. They'll want to come to the house of the Lord to worship. And that won't be in earthly Jerusalem, because on that day, the mountain of the Lord will be elevated above all other mountains. Because when Jesus came, died, and rose, and ascended, he took Jerusalem up with him to heaven. So all nations now cross the earth are streaming to the heavenly Jerusalem by the spread, the proclamation of the great name of God by his people. For all the peoples walk each in the name of its God, but we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. What is this name? We must not take in, in vain. And what is this name? Of which Micah says, we will walk in the name of our God, the Lord our God forever and ever. What is this name? It's the Lord. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God. The Lord in capital letters, which you know in Hebrew is Yahweh. Which comes from I am who I am. Which God revealed to Moses in the burning bush. When God spoke to him out of the fire in that bush. It's a great name. I am who I am. Yahweh, Lord, Jehovah means I'm the God who is forever. I never change. And I will come down to save you out of all your troubles. It stands for God's sovereignty, his sufficiency. He, he is complete, has everything you need, and his salvation. He says, I'm coming down to save Israel and deliver them from Egypt and bring them to myself. And ultimately, the name 
Jehovah, Lord Yahweh, is revealed in Jesus Christ. Guess what the name Jesus means? It's an Aramaic or Greek form of Jehovah saves, Yahweh saves. Jesus is the name of the Lord your God. He's the sovereign one. He's the all-sufficient one. He is salvation. And we must know his name, congregation, for his name is wonderful. There's no life without his name. There's no hope without his name. Acts 4, salvation is found in no one else, for there's no name under heaven given to men whereby we must be saved. No other name. What's the benefit of knowing someone's name? Why would you want to know someone's name? So you can call on them. You can cry out to them for help. Like blind Bartimaeus. He knew the name of Jesus. And as Jesus walked by, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He knew the name. He knew the name. So he could call on the name. You know, that's the beautiful thing about God's covenant, the gracious thing. God has not kept his name hidden from you, so you can't know it. You can only guess. It's only for the smartest people who are good at figuring out mysteries. No. The beautiful thing about our God is he puts the cookies on the bottom shelf. He makes his name known to us. So we clearly know who he is. And we know his worth and his power and his holiness, his righteousness and his love and his mercy, all that he is, all that he embodies. And we can call on him. Isaiah says that. Thus says the Lord who created the heavens, who formed the earth and made it. Thus says the Lord I am the Lord and there's no other. I didn't speak in secret in a land of darkness. I didn't say to the offspring of Jacob, seek me in vain. Huh, look for me if you can find me. Seek me in vain. No, I didn't say that. I, the Lord, speak the truth. I declare what's right. God has revealed his name to us in the Bible. We have his name. He's made himself known to us. The Father, through the Son, in the Spirit's power. So we can know his name on truth, in truth. We don't have to guess. It's not a mystery that we'll never figure out. We may know his name. And we may proclaim his name to those living in darkness. So those who have no hope may know salvation because that's what his name means. Savior. Sovereign, sufficient, Savior. And they too, hearing of him, can say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. They can call on him for salvation. Knowing his name. And when we know his name, what shall we do? Confess his name. You shall not take the name of the Lord in vain, the Lord your God in vain. 
has a negative side. Don't drag his name through the mud. But the positive command is you shall take up his name with reverence and awe. Confess him. As our catechism summarizes, we must use the holy name of God only with reverence and awe so that we may properly confess him, call upon him, and praise him in everything we do and say. Lift up the name of the Lord. That's what that word take means. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. It means you shall take his name with reverence and awe. And take means lift up. Lift up. God in his covenant gives you his name. I am the Lord your God. I am your God. Isn't that wonderful? He gives you his name. We said that. Now he calls you to take hold of that name and make it your very own. Confess him as your God and your Savior. It means to lift his name. It means to carry his name. It means to hold his name high, proclaim and exalt his name. When I think of that commandment, take up the name of the Lord, lift up his name, I often think of the example of the Sikhs. Some of you have maybe visited a Gudra, a, a Sikh temple in Toronto, and you watch the, uh, the priests come in with the Granth Sahib, the Bible, their, their holy book, and uh, that's their idol, and they, as they bring, come in, they, they lift it up above their heads, and they walk it to its place, empty, dead, False. But as a picture, the Lord wants us to lift up the name of God, the Lord our God, and all that we say and do, confess him in truth. And always be about the business of exalting his name. To confess his name before man. To bow before the name of Jesus, confess that he's Lord to the glory of God, the Father. Jesus said, if you confess my name before men, I will confess you before my Father in heaven. So when we confess his name, what we're really doing is taking the name he gave us and attaching ourselves to it and say, I want to be identified with you, God. I'm yours. I belong to you. You're mine. You're my God and Savior. There's no other. I'll bow to no other name because there's no other Savior. Confess his name. What a name to take as you contemplate a public profession of faith. You think God gave his name to me so I could know that name, believe that name, and then confess that name as the name that identifies my life as the God who is mine and I am his. And he will define my whole life. And then you do that not only at your profession of faith, but that's your whole life every day, confessing his name, lifting up, exalting the name of God before others at home, with your family. Sometimes maybe that's the hardest part. 
on the bus, on vacation on the campground, in the workplace, in the family reunion, all that we say and do. Of course, the urgent warning of the commandment is not to confess that name in vain. Don't take his name in vain. And the word vain means empty or nothing. Don't use his name as a nothing, as an empty thing. Don't abuse or misuse his name as something light. The word glory in the Bible means heavy. God's name is glorious. His name is his glory. It's heavy. Don't take that infinitely heavy, awesome name of God and turn it into something light that you can throw around for your own convenience. Kevin DeYoung describes three ways in which we can take or confess his name in vain. Number one, we can use his name in a false way. That's to teach or believe what is false and attach the name of God to it. In the name of God, I tell you that God wants you to be wealthy. He never wants you to be sick. So if you're poor or sick, you're not trusting in him. That's a lie. But if I say that in the name of God, I'm attaching God's name to a lie. That's taking his name in vain, using his name to teach falsehood. Or I might say, God told me last night that you should stop taking your medication and start trusting him to heal you. I'm attaching God's name, God told me, to my own ideas and opinions that are not found in God's word. And I'm taking his name in vain. I'm using his name to spread falsehood. So that's one way to use his name in vain. To use it in a false way. Second way, says DeYoung, is to use it in a frivolous way. As the Pharisees prayed, they heaped up empty words, hoping that by the cadences, the sound, the phrases... That God would hear them. Or we can use sacred activities like Bible reading and prayer. Like a a password. Or mere formality. Let's hurry up and pray so we can get out of here. Ever heard that? Ever done that? Let's read just a short psalm because we got to get going. Okay, so you might do that seriously. But more likely it's a password. We, we ought not to use the name of God in such flippant and frivolous ways. Or maybe we use God's name to express outrage or surprise or as an outburst, as a cuss word, rather than in prayer or praise. Or using God in a joke We shouldn't do God jokes. Or meaningless sloganeering. 
You know, like the Budweiser slogan, this Bud's for you. Well, there are bumper stickers out there, so-called Christian bumpers. This blood's for you. That really cheapens the gospel, doesn't it? So we can cheapen God's holy worthiness or worthy matchless name by being flippant and frivolous with it. We must never, <laughs> never do that. We give space to that. And a third way, we must never use his name in a false way, in a frivolous way, or in a phony way. Like saying, God bless Canada to get votes even though you really don't care about God. Or sitting carelessly in worship with your mind somewhere else because God isn't that important to you. Or singing in the choir because it makes you feel good and not because you really believe what you're singing. Or making a profession of faith just to please others or get it done and over with. Not because you really want to follow God. Or making a vow in God's name which you don't mean and don't intend to keep. There are many ways to take God's name in vain. And the reason this is such a serious matter to God is not because he's overly sensitive. It's because of how worthy and awesome and great that name is. You know, if you put down my name, that's too bad. If I put down yours, that's bad. But if we put down God's name, the great and awesome creator and savior, the one in whom we have life and fullness, in whom we have everything, on whom our salvation depends, and we treat him lightly, that's bad. That's really bad. So bad that in the old covenant, the death penalty was required for it. So we read in question and answer 100, no sin is greater or provokes God's wrath more than blaspheming his name. That's why he commanded it to be punished with death. No name is so worthy and to trample on it like dirt and throw it around like it's garbage. To use it for personal gain, brothers and sisters, that ought not to be done. And then we think, we need the cross. We think of all the ways we use the name of God as phonies, flippantly, or for falsehoods. And then remember, Jesus condemned to death for blasphemy, though he never committed it, for taking God's name in vain. That's what brought him to the cross. That's the sin that was nailed to him. You can take all your misuse of God's name. I can take all my misuse of God's name, throw it on him, and know that in him it's gone, forgiven. Let's take our sins to him. And particularly, thirdly, the sin of 
not living his name. To spread the honors of his name means living his name. The worst way to dishonor God's name is not walking in it. We read in Micah 4 this commitment of the new covenant people, but we will walk in the name of our God forever and ever. But there are so many hypocrites who do lots of God talk, but do not do God walk. This is a commandment in which God calls us to lift his name and praise him in everything we do and say. Paul says in Colossians 3.17, which is sort of the epitome of the third commandment, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. He wants our whole life to honor and praise and confess the name of the Lord. Micah describes the people who walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. They know his name, they confess his name, they live his name, and their whole life from sunup to sundown, from Sunday through Saturday, in private and public, when things go well and when things don't go well. It's a life of trusting and praising God forever. It proclaims his name so the nations also want to be identified with the name of God. Isn't that a powerful witness? taking up the name of God with reverence and awe and living his name, not only speaking, confessing his name, but living his name. But imagine the opposite. If I have his name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit printed on me, and I take his name and identify with his name, and then I go and put him to shame. That's what... Romans talks about Romans 2. The people of God make much of being his children and having his name and then they go and steal and they commit adultery. They lie. They're corrupt. And then it says the Gentiles blaspheme God's name because of you. Isn't that the worst? When non-Christians despise God because they see hypocrisy in Christians. That's the worst. So many have a bad view of Jesus or the Bible or Christianity because of the way we who bear his name behave, how we have hurt others, how we've not lived for the Lord. Imagine one of my children committed a serious, public, shameful thing. Then he's got my name. What that would do to me. And how badly I would feel about that. And shamed. And then think of God. How we who bear his name can give God a bad name and how badly he feels about that when we shame the great name by how we live and how we talk to others, whether it's our spouse, employee, somebody on the street. Oh, let us not do that to our God. He's not worthy of that. He's worthy of the opposite. When we walk in the name of the Lord, our God, 
then the nations will want to know our God and will come streaming to the church because they want to find out about our God. That's what God wants done with his name here on earth. He's given it to us to lift it up so that he might be exalted across the nations and we may spread through all the earth abroad the honors of his name. Again, we go to Christ, the one who is himself the name of God, and at the same time had our blasphemies attached to him, our hypocrisy attached to him on the cross so that when we confess our sin, when we repent and turn to him, he will say to us, I took care of it. Now go and lift up my name and exalt my name and live the life I saved you to live. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. The Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who takes his name in vain. And we can flip that around. You shall take the name of the Lord your God with reverence and awe and praise him in everything you do and say. So the nations may want to be identified with the God you have and the life you've been given in his name. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father, we praise you for giving to us your name. Not hiding your name for us, giving us your name so we may know you and we may call upon you and confess you and live for you. Forgive us, Lord. When we besmirch your name, drag your name through the mud, not represent you well, heap shame on your name. Lord Jesus, we give our sins to you and ask that you will destroy them in your death on the cross and by your spirit enable us to live by your name, confess your name, and spread the honors of your name to all the earth. In Jesus' name we ask this, amen.